previously on the Simply Human podcast. It's a seemingly simple formula based on what people think, like, you know, eat less, move more. Right. But the, that's a very superficial surface answer, and it doesn't work for a lot of people. And that leads them down a path of deprivation with yeah. their diets. Starvation. Yeah. Starvation and like excessive types of exercise, which are unnecessary and actually making the problem worse. It's episode 144 of the Simple Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is researcher and allergy expert, Dr. Marie-Claire Arietta. Super excited to have her. She's the author of the book that came out uh, last week, Let Them Eat Dirt, which we are going to uh, give a couple of copies away. We'll talk about that later. Then it's another. And I will eat, and I will eat a pound of dirt, uh, and we will put it on the YouTube channel. Yes, a pound of dirt, just uh, with a spoon. Sixteen ounces, gross, with earthworms. And, <laughs> and then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with the return of my brother-in-law and the most handsome man on earth, Ryan Barker, and and the continuation of the idiots at the lake. <laughs> and we'll wrap up with something to say there. Wait, how are you, Rick? I'm great. How are you? I'm not. I'm not doing. Good. Oh well. Okay. Well. All right. All Thanks right, we'll, for asking. Uh, we'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the most fish for like sympathy yeah, ever. Like, I hey, know. how you doing? Because everyone's supposed to say, oh, "I'm doing, doing well." Doing great. But how are you? Um, uh, I'm done. All right. Well, I'll see you later. I love the uh, Jim Carrey bit back when he was like a stand-up comic many, many years ago. He had this bit about when people ask you how you're doing. And just and just if you actually like check, you're like, gee, I don't know. Let me check. And he like grabs his, you know, nuts, and he goes <coughs> like coughs to either side, like he's giving himself into a physical. And he's like, well, I'd like to do a few more tests, but uh, I thought that was funny. I guess it's all in the delivery, huh? I get I cricket noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go in and add a cricket noise in there. It's funny. Shut up. Yeah. Um, I uh, I received some pretty terrible news uh, this week. Okay. Brad Pitt and uh, mm. Angelina Jolie broke up. Well, that's actually uh, when God uh, closes a window, he always opens a <laughs> door or whatever. Now you can finally go and uh, oh, no. tell Brad Pitt what you think about him. Did you love him? It's now, it's the time. This is my time. It is. Okay. Congratulations. So why is that? That is such, of all the things going on. I was reading something today that like, she's upset with like how he drinks and smokes weed and i'm like oh, okay that sounds pretty reasonable lady who used to wear a vial of billy bob thornton's blood on a necklace yeah i know it's uh there's no telling you have the two of them i don't know either one of them personally but yeah. she seems like the crazier one yeah. not him i don't know yeah and it's funny of all the things going on in in the world how that is like front page news there is kind of a funny abilene uh <laughs> Headline news story. Something bumped it off uh, rather uh, surreptitiously. Some happenings in Oklahoma. So yeah, it's not a front page news anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so I got a notification. You know, like you get your local news like notifications. Uh, we got one a couple days ago that was like the mayor has fallen off of a ladder. That is not true. I swear. I swear. I got it from the reporter news. And send that to me. I would okay. die laughing. Okay. I almost did. Just like, this is only an Aveline. Will you get the mayor? It's, it's falling down. 
We'll have like a three car fatality accident in the middle of the night, and that won't even make news here. Yeah. But like the mayor, oh, the mayor has a slight ninety nine point four degree temperature. <laughs> Everyone, run! Um, okay, I'm going to send. I sent you a link, and yes. I want you to tell me. Hold on, Abilene Mayor discharged from hospital two days after falling off ladder. So that's that's the top story <laughs> today. But the the actual first story. B attack sends three to the hospital in Brownwood. Holy mackerel. Talk about a... Three, huh? Yeah. Wow, Jiminy. Yeah. <laughs> That's like half the population. <laughs> the entire city council was attacked by bees and sent to the hospital. I uh, Somebody throwing a bee, like a beehive, into a city council <laughs> meeting and you're shutting the doors? Like, just... It, uh, on the end of a rake and just throwing yeah. it through the doors and just locking them shut after oh, that. Yeah. And, and you just keep, like, muffled, like, oh, no, Lock- <laughs> locking the door with the rake that they use to throw. <laughs> Riding it through the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your firearms are useless against them. Stinging fury. <laughs> yeah. That's a Tommy Boy reference. Okay. I'm going to. I want you to tell me exactly when the video starts because I'm going to play. I'm going to try to sync it up. It doesn't matter if it's perfectly synced, but I'm going to play um, the video so the, the guests can hear the audio. And okay. So, tell you me, want me to- so here's no. – I'm going to set this up. This is a test. It's like, a, it's like a, a, an attention test. I want you – it's going to ask you to count the number of passes that the team in white – passes and there's like another team there's like a team in black like the evil team like like going and like passing between the team that is wearing white and and at the end like i want you to it's very few people can like get the number of passes right so i want you to check and make like watch the number of passes and it'll explain it but just kind of give you a heads up like basketball passes you need to count the white team are you are you ready would you like me to click on the link net yet yes and tell me when the video starts okay i'm clicking on the link hang on it's opening in the app Sound is up. <sighs> okay, ready? Yep. Starting now. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! Did you get it? 13. Okay, now keep watching the video. The answer is 13. E the moonwalking bear. Watch for the bear. See it? Yeah. Yes. Did you notice that the first time? I don't think that happened the first time. It, that's the same video. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, Walks right through the middle of it. I love how it's like, look out for cyclists. Look out for cyclists. Now, this is a this is a two part yeah. this is a two part thing we're going to do here. A, it is uh, Saturday. Uh, this past Saturday, this comes out on Monday. This past Saturday was the five year anniversary of when I got run over by a car. <laughs> but I wanted to show that video because just kind of in the light of all the things that are going on, like it's sometimes you're focusing on one thing and you miss like the like you miss something important. 
right? So let's. It's just an interesting psychological study, and if you and I'll I'll link to that in the show notes. And now every, it'll be ruined for everyone who hasn't seen that already. But if you uh, you know share that with somebody, and it's it's fun to watch somebody watch that for the first time because you know, it's so crazy. Like like I was I did the same thing you did. I was like, well, that's a, just a different video. That bear, I would have seen that bear moonwalking bear. Yeah. And it's just because you're so focused on what you are, what you're focusing on, you sort of miss, you miss something, right? And so I think that's kind of a, that's a good point in this, in this time and what's going on. It's like, you know, don't get so focused on like what you are wanting to look at. Like, let's, let's kind of, uh, you know, have some perspective and see what's, what's some of the important things that are really going on, like a moonwalking bear. Ah, okay. So... There's that. How about that? So I, yeah. So was that did that like that like blow your mind? The like, I wouldn't say it blew my mind, but uh, I definitely thought. Uh, I thought I would have thought I would have noticed something like yeah, that. But yeah, and it's like the first time I, you know somebody watches it, you're you're wondering like I, I've never shown that to somebody where they've seen the bear the first time. Like and it's it's like every time, so it's pretty cool. So you should you should do, play a trick on do it, do it to your boys, like see if they notice it. Because I know like Jason will be like, hey, there's, there's thirteen. Yeah, he'll get it. <laughs> yes, yeah. you'll know exactly how many passes yeah. there were for sure. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, um, I guess <laughs> you weren't on this. Um, you weren't on this call either, and that we're we're figuring out the schedule, and we're gonna get. The schedule because the, pro- the problem is we scheduled so many interviews so far out that like we scheduled yeah. them for the normal time, but then all of a sudden on my schedule changes. So that's I got a text from Lonnie the other day that was like, "You need to be more on more of these. Yeah. Quit your job." And yeah. I was like, "We're we're fixing yeah. it." So stop. So the next uh, interview is is this, and just I'll tell you is this Monday at I believe it's five o'clock. Well, that and that will work, correct? Yes. So Unless something happens between now and then, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is the Elise Carr that one. Remember, I sent you all that video of her, like talk. She's like a women's, uh, psych. I'm not a psychologist, but she like deals with like women's issues. And I she, think yeah, I think I remember. And talking she about that reached out to us, and it's it was some it's some pretty intense. I don't know like how this is gonna go. Like she's pretty, like in your face. She says like mm-hmm. the V word a lot. And all sorts of other oh yeah, crazy <laughs> whoa, here we go. She says veterinarian a lot, like she is really I interested. Was say vegetable. Oh, vagine. <clears throat> no, that's no. Have you upgraded to the iOS ten quickly? No, and I. Here's the thing: I want to, but I also don't want to like not have my phone to goof around with for like thirty minutes. I know, I know. Um, so that's like, I'm such an idiot. One of the things that I always enjoy, like I just you know I changed jobs and I went from Gmail to now my my work email is Outlook. So I had to like completely relearn Outlook because I used Outlook ten years ago, and so like I never want to like <laughs> shut. You send an email, you receive an email. What else you got? It's different. Outlook and Gmail are completely different. They're different shortcuts. There's different ways to use things. The calendar is completely different. It's very different. The whole pro- the whole program. Trust me, it's it's a lot. And so I, but I never want to like shy away from learning, like relearning new things or like saying, oh, I don't want to upgrade my software because like I'm stuck in my ways and I like the way things are always done. I think it's very important uh, to always be expanding your mind and taking cold showers. <clears throat> So, uh, it's uh, yeah. So, man, hey, real quick, 
when we were talking to Blake, I re-listened to that Humans Being Human. There was a point in there where I said some funny hypothetical and you said one and Blake was still talking. And in between his sentences, we had a little conversation. Did you, do you remember that? I no, I know sometimes it can get awkward because yeah. especially if we're like not Skyping with someone, but if we're Skyping to their phone, sometimes the connection's not real great. So there's a delay or something yeah. like that. So sometimes it can get well, a little awkward. I said something and you said something and then, and then like he says a few words and I go, Yours was funnier, and then he's still talking and still talking, still talking. And oh then, yes, I do remember this. Then, yes, and yeah. then he stops, <laughs> and you go, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I need to make that the uh, uh, previously, but then no one will understand. It's, it's really funny. Uh, I, I laughed. Um, you know what? Let's get to our interview with uh, Claire. Yeah, she, you have derailed. You have derailed. Yeah, she told she told me her name is Doctor Marie Claire Arietta. She's Canadian, and hang on. Feels like we have a disproportionate amount of Canadians on the show. Not that that's bad. I enjoy, I love my Canadian brothers and sisters, but like, uh, have a lot of Canadians on the yeah, show. Yeah, I need. We need to have Anne Green back on. Remember, she be like, talk? oh yes, she was awesome. Yes, um, she was good. Yeah, There's a lot of awesome Canadian folks. Yeah, all Can- hey? the only Canadians I, I ever know are great. <sighs> that's such a generic statement. I said a. I told a joke on football. <laughs> Great. <laughs> hey, I said a, <laughs> I said I told a joke on Football Friday Night because all like of all the rain, like we only had two highlights on the show, and I and at one point like the sports director was just turned to me and he was like, "Well, you got a joke for us?" And I told a joke. Was it the "I got your bike right here"? No, it was not. It was uh, I stole it. <laughs> I stole it from that from yeah, last Friday's scatter shooting. It was a uh, it was a pronunciation yep. joke. And I told it it was the first are joke. Doing, are you still doing that football show? Yeah, man. <laughs> I know it's greatness. I have a plaque for you, by the way. There was a plaque up at the office that had, it's like <laughs> it's Rick and then the former sports director, like before me. And it's like it was like the Gary Strickland Memorial Office. And like Rick's in one of the pictures, and I took it out of like the sports office, and I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> I wish the plaque was the quote that Gary tried to whisper to you, but he screamed it out loud in the middle of a, 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 a oh, formal dinner. <laughs> the, he tried to whisper the B word at me, and he just like basically. <laughs> okay, I have to tell this slightly, but like. So this guy that Mark and I used to work with when we were both working in TV, his name is Gary. We've talked about him before. The awesomest boss of all time. Like, he was so easy to get along with. But he would make, like, inappropriate jokes or comments that are supposed to be, like, you know, just, like, whispered or, like, nudged or something. But, like... He kind of sometimes didn't know when you shouldn't do that. Well, he like, didn't have a good whisper voice. His whisper yeah, voice was like, a yell. Tall and like he's super loud and gregarious. Well, one time him and Mark were like at this big fancy dinner and we're introducing like the key, key, keynote speaker. <laughs> <laughs> and Gary leans over Mark. And he's trying to whisper it, but he goes, <laughs> <laughs> like, it says the B word, like, super. Oh, and I'm, like, leaned in, like, his mouth is, like, touching my ear. And it was like, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was so, I was so embarrassed. And, like, everyone within, like, a four-table radius had to have heard him. And, like... It was it was right in that moment between like when the applause ends and when like she started talking. <laughs> oh God, I wish I 
than that. Man, I could sit here and tell Gary stories like well, all day one, long. It's the I, most fun I ever had. One that I one the, the ones that I loved were like we would just be sitting there and he would just like get a crazy email from somebody and he would just be like, I gotta go. And he would just like run out of the station and we were just like there to cover the the sports that day. That happened a couple of times. I remember it was on a Wednesday. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get to our interview with Claire. She told me to call her Claire. It's Dr. Marie Claire Arietta, but she told me to call her Claire. Uh, but go to the website, simplymonthstyle.com, at simplyhuman52. On my Instagram, I'm doing a series on this building that I'm repelling off of uh, that you can see it at any point in Abilene. So I'm like, I'll just be driving along and I'll see it, or, or I'll be walking along, not driving, and then I'll like take a shot of it from you know a short video of it from you know 15 miles away. You can still see it. My brother Brad is going to come repel with me, uh, so that would be fun. So that's really the big thing. Go to Facebook, uh, like us on Facebook, and uh, leave us a review on iTunes. So we talked to Claire about her background: allergies, C-section babies, growing up on a farm, fecal secretions. We actually, yeah, we talk about fecal secretions. Breast milk versus formula, probiotics, microbes, raw milk, fiber, antibacterial soap, allergies, the unchangeable immune system, let them eat dirt book, relax around the house, and yoga. Here is Dr. Marie Claire. How are you? Joining us on the Simple Human Podcast, super excited to have a professor at the University of Calgary. It's very, uh, very studious and sounding. Uh, she's a researcher of microbiology of the intestines. This is Dr. Marie Claire Arietta. Uh, Claire, welcome to the Simple Human Podcast. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. So I'm so excited. So I, I saw your name. This is sometimes how we come up with uh, with guest ideas. I'm reading. I think I have I have a Google alert for for gut biome or gut health, and I'm reading this article. And you were quoted in an article. And now at this point, I need to go back and try to find the article. I don't even remember where I saw it, but I took a screenshot of your name and Googled you, and emailed you, and here you are. Oh, so, there you, go. you know that's how it happened. Yes, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, and you've got a book coming out, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But before we get to all that, and just uh, I'm really excited uh, to, to ask you some questions about the gut. Um, let's talk about your background, how you got started, uh, and you know how you ended up where you are today. Well, I am a microbiologist. I guess that that's my original background. I was interested in 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 microbes in general. I think from the get go, since I was a little girl. Um, definitely one of those little girls that you could tell right away that she was <laughs> going to get into science. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then I decided to to do research during graduate school. And I I landed um, a position to, to do my PhD in uh, a division of gastroenterology. So we studied the gut and then we studied, you know, its physiology, how it works and the immune system that lines it and all the ins and outs of, of the gut. And uh, then it was towards the end of my PhD, this was only 2008 to 2009, when uh, the whole story of the community of microbes in the gut and how it relates to health and disease came about. And I simply became fascinated by it because here's this field, gastroenterology, right, um, of Western medicine that studies an organ but was to a great degree, missing this huge aspect of it, this this uh, this amount, this huge amount of of living cells within it that really dictate not just how the gut works, but also how other organs in the body work. So I decided to specialize in that, and I and I did a, a postdoc exactly on that, and I I just started my own uh, research group, and I continue to study it. 
Cool. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, off air, you were talking about sort of your bread and butter is allergies. So what are the things that yeah you focus on the most right now? Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that we know is that there's a lot more allergies and asthma, right? The, the, there's a skyrocketing rise in those two diseases in most industrialized countries. And even though these diseases have a genetic component to them, we know that our genes simply do not change that fast. It had to be something in the environment. And uh, the initial studies were um, epidemiology studies showing that it's kids that are born and raised in farms that are pretty much protected to this rise in incidence of asthma. They do not get asthma to the same rate than, than, than kids that are city dwellers or even rural children, but, but are the ones that are not exposed to the farm environment. And uh, from then on, that's how the, the hygiene hypothesis came about. This idea that we need to be exposed to microbes early on in order to prevent allergic disease. And that's exactly what I study. I, I study the kind of exposure that you get early on. So I study a field known as the early life microbiome. Um, this community of microbes that starts forming as soon as you're born uh, and within the first year of life, it goes through very drastic changes that really alter your immune system and your metabolism and either predisposes you to health or, or the opposite. Well, I guess we can start from the beginning. Um, I've read some stuff about C-section babies and how babies that don't go through the birth canal aren't exposed to the um, sort of the shower of bacteria. Yeah. Um, yeah and so, okay. what have you seen? What What is your uh, you know your thought on that? Have you seen anything in your research uh, about you know? Yeah, like- it's it's a pretty well established sort of factor. So, just by being born via C-section, that increases your chances of of developing asthma and allergies between 15 to 30%, depending on the study that you quote. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a pretty recurrent factor that you find. And uh, the way it's understood is exactly how you presented it, right? So when you, when you go, when we all go through the birth canal, we get bathed in, in vaginal and fecal secretions, which are packed with bacteria. Um, that does not happen when we come out of, um, of the belly via C-section. Uh, so we don't know exactly which are the important bugs yeah. that come through birth that that uh, are are the ones preventing in that sense that 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 increase in risk in asthma. But we're trying to study that. Yeah, it's interesting that that that's a pretty good um, parallel to the whole simply human. Uh, mindset. It's like C-section. I can now uh, love love C-section. My son would not be alive today if it weren't for C-section. So yeah. so they they are they are that intervention can be used for good. I think if you use it as as purely as a cosmetic issue, that you know I, I'm there may be some moral issues that come into play. But it's for like for like an emergency type deal, C-sections can be a great life saving thing. But it's not how humans were designed to be born and like you said we don't really understand exactly we just know that that's not the design so that that goes with any anything for the food and movement and you know uh, sleep and everything like that you don't need to know the science you just know when you take things out of their original design you're going to have some consequences to that and so um what what can a a parent who you know like has a C-section baby are there what are what are good ways to get some of that exposure you know obviously you're not going to get 
the well, and I guess I've heard of have or have you heard of some of these yeah, the, the, yeah. the, the so vaginal swabs and all that. Yeah. Um. So there's some people that are doing that. There's still some some. So basically, what happens is that when a baby is going to be born, and usually this would happen on a on an elective or a, or a planned C-section, not usually not an emergency one, because usually for an emergency one, there's really no time for anything but but to extract right. that baby. And as you're saying, I mean, a C-section is a societal need. It saves saves babies, and I'm to the end. I, I think I think it's every woman's decision, however they want to give birth, right? Um, but hopefully this, this provides a bit more, more information on, on, on the advantages, the, the, another of the advantages of, of natural, uh, birth. But, um, so one of the things that they're trying to do is that in this cases of elective or, or planned C-sections is while you're waiting to, to go into the emergency room, um, your doctor or nurse or midwife would insert a sterile gauze in the vaginal uh, canal and it will just leave it there for a few minutes. Then it will put the, the, the gauze back into a sterile uh, jar and then when the baby's born, they use that gauze to impregnate the skin of the baby with with the vaginal huh. secretions. Yeah. Of course, this is soft pudding to a lot of people right. um, until you realize that absolutely every human that goes through through natural birth has comes the, the same exposure. Yeah. Uh, but of course, this 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 we know we live in 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 a, in a system that that is ruled by the standards of, of Western medicine, and I'm a huge proponent of that as well. So this should be tested, right? right. Uh, and we shouldn't just be telling people, you know what, uh, you should do this. Uh, there's been a couple of trials already. It seems to be safe. I know there's people that are trying it out. So that's one way. Yeah. But I think that the establishment of the microbiome, birth is definitely important, but but uh, there's other things that happen that are beyond birth that, that you can do in, in a way to, to benefit uh, the, the, the growing or the, the development of the microbiome early on. Yeah, and so what are some of those things? Like, uh, uh, you know, a pro, do you recommend like a probiotic, uh, a sour, like, like real sauerkraut that's actually been fermented from a, from a bacterial? Well, for, for very tiny babies, you really can't, give them anything except for milk for right. a few um, uh, a few months so you're not going to uh, be trying to shove what, sauerkraut down a newborn baby's throat don't do that no no yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or one that is just starting to eat bullets no yeah. you, you shouldn't be giving it <laughs> or anything or the like just yet but basically so breastfeeding is 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 huge here um breastfeeding we now know has microbes in it so it's not sterile um, and not only does it have microbes, and this was fascinating when the first study started coming out, but it has a nutritional component in it that cannot be digested by mammalian enzymes or by the human. Uh, this nutritional component is meant to feed the microbes in the baby's intestines, huh. too. So that's another really good way of, of promoting um, this natural development of, of the baby's gut microbiome. Um, of course, formula does not have that component. Uh, one, and again, it, these are really complicated issues because in a country, for example, like the U.S., when there's, there's no paid maternal leave, there's 
millions of women that just cannot afford to, to breastfeed. So it's not as simple as just saying, you know what, you should be breastfeeding your child when when that becomes right. uh, an impossible thing to do. We know now that there's some some um, formulas that come supplemented with probiotics. Um, you can also buy probiotics, pediatric probiotics. And that seems to improve things. It's, of course, not going to be the same as breast milk, just because breast milk is uh, superior in, in many ways. The chemistry of, of breast milk is really uh, complex and, and formula is, is good nourishment. Don't get me wrong, but uh, we're not that good of chemists to try and mimic such a complex structure like, like breast milk. Yeah, it's like, it's like trying to recreate uh, soil on a farm from scratch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's... We're still centuries, if not uh, more, yeah. away from, from trying to do that. Now, let's, let's talk about, uh, I mentioned a farm and soil, and you mentioned that earlier, about kids that are, like, grow up on a farm are, yeah. have less incidence of allergy, asthma, things like that. Why is that? What, what, are, uh, what are they exposed to that the rest of us aren't? Well, it's just one word, Mark. It's microbes, right? When yeah. you have to, I mean, they've done studies with the Amish and, and these people, when they're working and they're, let's say they have to work with the cows in the morning, everyone is involved. The mom that is pregnant is doing it. Yeah. The baby that is just crawling is crawling on the same environment than, than, than all, all the cows and everyone else. I mean, um, these are the kind of people that are just exposed to the outdoors a ton more yeah. than than anyone else. So it just comes to that. It comes to the, the exposure to microbes. And, and also, of course, diet. Diet is huge because it's one thing to just get exposed to microbes, but microbes need to eat in order to thrive in the gut. And what you eat is mm. what, what they eat. And they do not thrive, or, or at least the microbes that are associated with human health uh, do not thrive very well in the typical Western diet. They, they seem to thrive in, in um, something that, that is more alike to what humans have been eating for, for centuries before we started processing all the food. And it basically comes down to fiber. We live in a fiber-depleted society. Yeah. The idea is to try and, and regain some of that diversity of microbes by, by increasing not just the amount, by the, but the by variety of, of fiber that our kids get. Yeah, there's oh, there's so many things that I'm writing down as you're talking that we're not going to get to everything, I'm sure. Um, and so, uh, you know, what, we, we talked off air about like raw milk and yeah. how in the current system with, you know, factory dairy farms and the cows that are, that are getting, you know, the antibiotics and aren't really fed what cows are supposed to eat, like that would be kind of silly to drink that raw milk because you're yeah. probably going to get something. Now, if you grow up on a farm and you have a cow in your barn, would you recommend drinking that raw milk? Is that, is that one of the things that these kids that grow up on farms are getting exposed to? I, I, it's interesting because I'm sure that if you grow up in a farm, Mark, and you have a cow or two, you're not waiting for anyone to <laughs> recommend you to drink raw milk because you're going to do it anyway. Right, right? That right. just comes with, with uh, your lifestyle. Um, I mean, I study my, I've studied microbiological disease a lot, and I've um, read quite a bit uh, about it. I, I know a, a lot about the real risk that it exists. Yeah. Um, when you drink a, a raw animal product like that, um, 
most likely, if you just live with a cow or two, it's most likely that, that you're going to be safe. Yeah. But as a recommendation that you give people, you can't get away with giving that recommendation knowing that one in a certain number of people are going to die or something. Yeah. Dangerous, yeah, bacterial disease, because some of these things are pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so, yeah, things like, things like pasteurization, even though, of course, it's degrades uh, some of the nutritional components of, of the milk itself and it makes it probably less healthy and less easy to digest has the benefit that it el- eliminates that, that risk, right? right? So you're like the orthopedic surgeon who doesn't play with fireworks or own a gun or, you know, because like he sees all the, <laughs> the, 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 the dangers that he's seeing firsthand, you know, like, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty nasty. What happens to your hand if it, a firework yeah, blows in up way, in there? Sure. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely really relaxed, um, at home in terms of, of hygiene. Um, I mean, I, I read a book, I wrote a book called Let the Meat Dirt. Of yeah. course, I, I'm relaxed about that, but, um, I know probably because of, of my background, when it pays off to be right. hygienic and when it doesn't, right? And and we've studied hygiene and its effects for, for decades now. So we have data supporting that. Uh, yeah. There's issues that, of course, I'm a huge proponent on, like hand washing at the right time. Right. Uh, that That is a huge public measure of disease prevention. But I let my kids get as dirty as mud um, all the time because I know that dirt does not equal disease. Right. Um, so there's that balance that, that I try to, to play as a parent. Yes. And I also think, or what I propose, I think, is that other parents should try and, and get ed- educated to promote that balance too. Because one thing that is really healthy that science has shown us is to promote this exposure to, to healthy or non-harmful microbes because we know that that drives health. It will make your immune system stronger. It will make uh, you... It will make you better at digesting food. It will make it easier for you to manage weight. There's all sorts of benefits. But we also know that exposing ourselves to bad microbes, especially early on in life, it drives bad, healthy issues later on too, right? So it's to me, it's important to to sort of balance out both things. Yeah, and I want I, I, I want to get to your book um, and some other things I've got written down here. But really, just really quickly, I... Is it true, this is kind of my understanding of it, and I could be way off because I am not a microbiology researcher, um, but it's like we, we've discovered here recently in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, 20 years, that there are more bacteria, like cells, organisms in us than like human cells. So it's almost like the bacteria are, are, are wearing us. We're, we don't carry them around. They're carrying us around. Like they're the primary organism. Like you can look at it that way. Is that, is that, is there truth in that? In a way, yeah. They, they've done some newer studies um, that came after. Uh, we, we used that. Almost everyone in the, in the, in the field uses that comparison. Okay. There's a couple of studies that, that are showing that it's more like a one-to-one ratio. But that's still, that means that for every single cell in your body, there's at least one bacterial cell. That is not also, a human cell. Think yeah. about that. Right. So like, like, that, that definitely begs the question of who really inhabits who. <laughs> um, and it's not just a number, right? So this is a powerhouse of active metabolism that it's in contact in constant interaction with your body. The, the really good um, 
analogy that that they use to describe the microbiome is that it's a new organ because it really huh. it is as metabolically active as your liver for wow. example in fact it weighs about the same as your liver and you're carrying it with you uh, but as opposed to other organs that you have in your body this one is is one that changes right yeah. it's one that that sort of changes in in, in abundance and in composition when you, when you're growing and and depending depending on what kind of alterations it gets through you know diet or hygiene or antibiotics or you name it depending on that it could change your health so it's it's really neat to 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 look at it that way yeah um, you know, so was it Ignaz Simmelweis? Simmelweis isn't he the one that like discovered hand washing uh, back whenever all these women were dying in the in the baby ward, and and mm-hmm. he was the one that figured out if you wash your hands and no, because they were going these medical students that were delivering these babies were like going from doing autopsies on dead bodies and then going yeah. and, de- and delivering babies, and of course, like there's going to be infections and death and all that, and so there's so there's kind of this this mixture just like everything else like just because an intervention is good in one instance doesn't mean it's always good so yeah this antibacterial soap i'm i'm reading about that people are kind of saying you know maybe that's not so great that this antibacterial soap so what are your thoughts on antibacterial soap well, the FDA just made a great move in, into banning uh, the two most important ingredients in antibacterial soap. So that's going to change the, the, the industry dramatically awesome. in the coming months. That's a really good thing. So first of all, it is as effective in preventing disease as if you use regular soap, which is crazy. Yeah. But if you look at the data, it, that is, that's a fact. Uh, you do not need antimicrobial soap. I mean, of course you need it if, if you're in, in a hospital right. or let's say if you do not have uh, let's say if you're camping, you do not have a, a source of potable water, those gel sanitizers, those are handy that way. But for your everyday life, just plain old soap and water, old school, that, that's all you need. And you do not need to do it all the time. Yeah. You just need to do it at the right times when you know that's effective. Yeah, we have a, a weekly tip of the week. And one of my tips a few weeks ago, uh, I'd read some article about you know, we, especially in the Western world, we just take way too many showers. You you don't, I mean, yeah, you, you don't want to like never shower, but yeah, showering yeah. two, three times a day, we're just like scrubbing ourselves clean. We've got the antibacterial soap and the Clorox wipes oh my God, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So let's, so let's talk about allergies. You mentioned, uh, that's kind of a specialty of yours, peanut allergies, um, all, all of these crazy allergies that are coming up where you can't even like to be in the same room as someone who just yeah. who ate a peanut yesterday like is this is all these allergies this increase in allergies is this all is it is it correlated to our our just sterilizing our environment it's extremely correlated with it in, in almost every study that you look at it um yeah it just seems all studies seem to to point to this lack of exposure in early life that uh, lead to your immune system to just be sloppy and underdeveloped and not knowing exactly what to do. Is that, is that a good way? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I really like the way you put that. So is that a good way to kind of explain allergies, autoimmune disorders, asthma? Is it kind of your immune system is just kind of sloppy? It is. Huh. Yeah. 
It is because it goes against the when you study the, the immune system and when it, when it's working properly. I guess the dogma or or, or the the central theme of the immune system is to protect you from from foreign invaders, and the only way the immune system can do that is by tolerating anything that is not foreign. Uh, foreign dangerous, right? right. Uh, so, of course, the immune system has to react to a nasty E. coli that is trying to kill you, but it shouldn't react to a peanut protein or it shouldn't react to, in the case of an autoimmune disease, it shouldn't react to, to a, a self protein. And this is happening more and more. And, and, and yeah, what we're seeing is that the, the babies that end up developing allergic disease, including autoimmune, and also autoimmune disease, they have an immune system that is not very tolerant, is unable to, to just relax about the normal proteins and antigens that, that it should relax about. And this issue of tolerance, it gets programmed early in life, during pregnancy and the first year of life. Yeah. This is the, the immune tolerance. This is when it matters the most. Yeah, so the immune system and, and kind of what the, my understanding of it is, yeah, the first three, four, five years of life is kind of when it's, it's, it's grown or formed. Imagine, imagine if like your liver, like you mentioned the liver is kind of a, 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 a kind of the same, similar. The similar is the word I was looking for. Uh, you know, like what if you had to like, base, you know, your behavior and the things you were exposed to early in life, like your liver was grown in that first four or five years like wouldn't we wouldn't that be interesting if, if it was like an actual organ so and then but there's so many people that are that are developing these allergies and then is it is it a case where like all right you've got a peanut allergy well that's just that's your lot you know you've got a peanut allergy are there other other than just medicine and other sort of uh, more technological interventions are there things that people can do once they have stabbed an allergy to sort of fix their immune system, or I guess in essence, no, kind of not their- that we know of, and we, people have tried have tried to study that. The issue with the immune system is that once it learns something, it's really good at keeping a memory of it. Yeah. Really, really good in many ways. It has many redundant mechanisms to to keep that memory uh, for life. So, if you be- there are some very rare cases when on its own the immune system kind of forgets an allergy, but for the most part, especially for an allergy as strong as a peanut allergy, that person will remain that way. There are some uh, new interventions where uh, a kid will go and get what it's called desensitized, and this kid will just get uh, very, very, very small amounts of of peanut um, as micro right, right, right. Yeah. for a Hor- year or two. And in some cases, these children do get a little bit better. Uh, at least they, they're not going to die at the, the, the minimal contact yeah. of, of the peanut, uh, which, which becomes a lot easier to, of course, live that way. But right now, that's the only thing. The, the main issue seems to be in preventing the allergy to, to happen in the first place. And with peanuts, Mark, is really interesting because 
there's new studies showing, and actually the, the American Pediatric Association and in Canada as well, they just change the recommendations to feed peanuts to babies based on these studies. Huh. See, before this, and this was this is recent, this is last year. So before last year, the recommendation was that you had to wait to give peanuts for to like your a year wasn't it until it, well at first it was three years and then it was a year okay. uh, but now they're saying that that actually makes it worse yeah because you're waiting until you're out of that window of promoting tolerance um in, in your immune system so what they're recommending now is that you start giving them everything including you know se- shellfish and yeah. peanuts and soy and all that stuff that they tell you that they used to tell you not to give huh. until later on you're supposed to introduce it at four to six months, what babies are eating. Yeah, and it's so hard to change that conventional wisdom once it's in place. Just the same thing with the cholesterol and, oh, and yeah. the saturated fat is bad yeah, I, and all this stuff. Yeah. Once it's once people once moms know you are supposed to wait until three years old, mm-hmm. and so then that that mom has a kid and that kid has a kid, and no, 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 you got to wait till three years old. That's how yeah. we always did. It. It's just so hard. And I think one of the ways to change the conventional wisdom is to write a book. And so let's talk about your book. It's called Let Them Eat Dirt, Saving Your Child from an Over-Sanitized World. And it's, it, this is, it's available on Amazon, but it's a release date of tomorrow. Yes, finally. So tomorrow. it's, yeah, tomorrow. So you can get it on a Kindle. It looks like hardcover on Audible, which is, a, uh, I'm a huge fan of Audible. You can, there's an audio CD uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, deal. So you, you co-wrote it with B. Brett Finlay. Yeah. Um, and so talk about the book. What's, uh, to, you know, drive people to want to go buy this book? So basically, uh, you know, I'm both a scientist. This is what I've been talking about for the past yeah. half an hour in the field. But I'm also a mom, Mark, of two young kids. Um, Brett, my co-author, he is also a dad. His kids are a bit older. But as as this information was was coming to us, and we're researching these things, and we're finding that you know babies that are missing microbes, they 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 go on to develop asthma. We really thought that this information should just be extracted out of the scientific journals that we yeah. get to read them in, and just put into into the public audience because this is really really important um, and really new as well. So we thought not only is is this, of course, an opportunity, but it's also, I think, a responsibility for, for scholars to try and, and embark in a mission like that. So it took about a year to write. And basically, our, our goal is to educate uh, parents and caregivers into, one, the importance of microbes and to get uh, or to try to unlearn these habits of yuck, do not touch that, that's dirty. I know those things that are ingrained in, in the psyche of, yeah. of many, many people. And um, with that education to help parents and caregivers make smart decisions about microbes. So going back to that balance, how to promote healthy exposure to microbes, while at the same time keeping in mind that some of them do cause disease, right? right. Um, so that's the whole idea of the book. Yeah, well, I think it's great. And so just quickly, we're almost out of time. Uh, what are What's kind of a typical day in the life of you and your kids as, as it relates to being exposed to, to bacteria? It's interesting. Um, because this this whole knowledge changed my attitude towards bacteria. It, it did. Of course, I was a I was only a clinical microbiologist until I started learning and studying all the good aspects of of bacteria. And I went from being someone that cleaned more than I should be cleaning to a person that now 
just is completely relaxed about <laughs> my kids to to be dirty um i also am a huge huge proponent on on the diet as the best way to actually benefit our our microbiome our gut microbiome uh so i'm i'm i try to just give them as much fiber as i can in the form of of course whole grains but vegetables and fruits and in every single meal and fermented foods as well so kefir and sauerkraut and pickled vegetables and yogurt and all those things so yeah this information really changed the way i parent i think yeah and and with sauerkraut i know that there's a there's a uh industry uh sort of trick is that you go get sauerkraut that is soaked in vinegar is not does not have the same gut uh, uh oh gosh there's another t- word that i benefit good grief yeah. uh, similar and benefit two very easy words that i just have trouble Do, you know you need to have to get sauerkraut that has been fermented that has been exposed to bacteria and that it's not not just been soaked in in vinegar which is not just been soaked in vinegar to make it soft yeah for yeah. sure yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's true. You you find products that are they kind of take the shortcut, right? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the real fermented stuff, right? And uh, and uh, you know, kefir, which you mentioned, is really good. It's kind of like a drinkable yogurt. It's um, amazing. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. My kids love it, and yeah. Uh, and it's they, the, type of, the stuff that kids learn to to love really, really quickly. Yeah, yeah. and all this stuff kind of has like a. Oh, well, it's kind of a bite to it. Like it's got this uh, kind of almost yeah. a sour, it's, it's but it's tang to it. Tang. Yeah. yeah, it's a good word for it. Yeah. That's the fermented flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I looked into like making my own sauerkraut and then I was like, yeah, no, I'm just going to keep buying it. That is a yeah. lot. That's a lot of work and it's, and it smells yeah. really bad. You need like a basement or something to ferment sauerkraut. But, uh, well, Claire, this has been so much fun. I, I, we didn't even get to fecal transplants, uh, or some of the other things that I wanted to talk about. Um, There's so much in this field. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to have you back on, uh, at some point sure. uh, and, uh, yeah, really excited to, to help you promote your book. And, uh, oh, oh sorry. One more question that I ask yeah. all new, Yes, and it is this. It doesn't have to have anything to do with anything we just talked about. What is one okay. what is one thing you enjoy about life or something you do to make life more enjoyable? I do yoga. Huh, awesome. I'm gonna write and yoga. That yeah. was the that was the most just clear and concise answer we've ever gotten. Thank you for that. Well, uh, yeah, it's the only <laughs> little time I have to clear the mind. Yeah. It's the easiest way to do it, too. Awesome. Well, this <laughs> yeah. has been great. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll have you back on soon. Thank you, Mark. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Claire. That was awesome. And okay, Rick, we have she's sending us two free books. Yeah. What are we going to do? We're going to get I'm going to read one and you can read the other. So there you go. <laughs> well, she's sending us 3. I'm keeping one and we're giving the other two away. Or should I send you one and then we give one away? No, I'm in the dude, I have put all reading. Yeah. That's why I, I didn't all, uh, no no, it's because I'm reading the Game of Thrones books oh, and yeah. so I've been reading nonstop Game of Thrones for dead serious like a year and I'm still no end in sight. So I, everything else has been put on hold Bragging as I read through all these. So how should we of books. how should we give these books away? Um, the some, first person to drive to Abilene and kick you in the in your office gets a free book. Gracious. I'm not that is not what we're gonna do. Jeez. Hmm. Um, Maybe we we'll, should have talked about this. Yeah, I know. We, we'll, figure, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure something out and post about it on Facebook. Uh, but we will be giving uh, two of these books away when I get them. Let Them Eat Dirt, uh, the, the same book that we talked about in the interview. So excited. Uh, I will say this. They won't be free. 
you have to pay for the shipping. Because <laughs> <laughs> shipping costs money. But you put like one thirty-nine cent stamp on the book, no. and it takes yeah, three yeah, weeks. yeah. Okay, you can either pay for the shipping, or you can make, give a donate, make a donation, and I'll pay for the shipping. We'll 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 talk about it whenever you win the contest, whatever it is. Uh, all right, it's now time for humans being human, and uh, we welcome back Ryan and the continuation of the idiots at the lake. We're recording, and to continue, two weeks ago, Rick and I discussed uh, idiots at the lake, and then at the at the tournament of champions, which we have discussed many times. Uh, Ryan, we told the the human lawn dart story last week. <laughs> Blake, yeah. and, and like that was me and Ryan. Were, Blake, we had Blake on to tell it, and man, one of the funniest lines is when Blake was like, "You know, you always kind of want to know what you're gonna, how you're gonna react in those situations," and he was like, "I totally panicked. I was like crying." And <laughs> <laughs> so, we, luckily, we slept through the whole thing because we both snuck away and went to. We slept. Uh, we slept on a bed together. <clears throat> we did. We. We were wait no we didn't we didn't it is kind of funny I don't know if I mentioned this on air but like Ryan brought like a like a queen air mattress and like I didn't know this but the first night he went he like snuck away to go to bed and like his air mattress wouldn't blow up and so like one like my teammate that guy named Matt he walked in like late later and like I was I was still up I didn't know any of this and Matt like comes in and Ryan is laying on like the tile with, no, with his air mattress like wouldn't blow up so he was just like laying on the tile with a pillow and like a blanket. And Matt was like, Matt was like, are you are you laying on the tile? And he was like, yeah. He's like, dude, there's a couch. So he like went and got all the pillows off the couch, and he made like a, a bed with like the couch cushions all pushed together. Man, when you're desperate for sleep yeah. in a weird situation like that, you would literally just kind of make a bad decision on to sleep anywhere. Like I've picked sleeping like a in a bush before. Like, <laughs> uh, oh man, this looks like a good place to just crash. And there's like a, a couch, like one room over. Yeah, <laughs> a bush. Yeah, that's how this was. The ca- I could have went to the couch. Yeah, it was fine. This is right there. The cushions were fine. And he made it. He made it work. Um, okay, so you don't have, like, your your disclosure, your discretion here, Ryan, as far as names and all that. Hi, Rick. Oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. We already mentioned how that's handsome funny. handsome you are, and we we mentioned also. Well, that's I don't want to ruin it. I think that's in the that's in the outro. But Ryan was in uh, involved, and we don't have to. Just you, you tell it, and because there's some, I don't know if you want to leave some stuff out, um, but you kind of set up like the uh, where you are and kind of all that. All right, you ready? Do it. Does Rick know this story? No. I, no, I have not heard this. No. Mark just heard it two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I would say 2007. Does that sound right, Mark? Probably yes. And check your text real quick. The, all right. Okay. Sorry, I sent him a text. Yeah, Roger that. Roger all that. over that. Okay. Um, 2007, we were in Austin. We were having a big guys weekend in Austin. Um, and I had some friends coming in. Most people were coming in on Friday. This was right after college. So most people, I think they were coming in after work on Friday afternoon or Friday evening. And we came in on, we actually were, I was living in Austin and I had some friends whose parents have a house on Lake Travis. So it was Thursday night. We went to his parents' house. His parents were um, in Houston at the time. We were hanging out and our friend, we'll call him Morgan. That's a good fake name. That is a good fake name. It's actually his real name. (laughs) I can't wait for it. Morgan 
just kind of a backstory on Morgan. Played baseball with him in college. He's from Idaho. Uh, very funny guy, outgoing, loves the outdoors. So he kind of grew up in that environment. So that kind of just paints the picture for you to start with. Um, Morgan flew in from, at that time, he was in, he has a family that had a uh, rafting company in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and he was working for them. So he flew in early, and he was with us on Thursday night. It was me and Morgan, uh, two other buddies, and one of our buddies' girlfriends. Hmm. Um, we were hanging out. It's probably around midnight. We were at the house, and we decided to go down to the lake because it was super close. So we jumped in the friend's truck, drove down to the lake. Um, super dark. There's no lights out there. We're just hanging out. I don't really know exactly how the topic got brought up, but Morgan said he was going to swim across the lake. If you're listening, I edited out a part, so just we're going to get to it. <laughs> so we're down at the lake hanging out. Morgan decides the idea to swim across the lake. I don't really know if somebody said yes, no, you can't do it, which was probably a terrible idea at the time to dare him. Um, but he decided it was a good idea to get in the water and start swimming. So Morgan gets in the water, can't see anything, starts swimming. Uh, 20, 30 seconds goes by, and me and the other buddies decide it's probably not a good idea he's doing this. So we start yelling at him to come back, and we can kind of see him swimming in the distance. And you hear him um, splashing around a little bit, like, yeah. Right, yeah. Like, oh, he's going to swim a little bit and then swim back. Um, <laughs> and then after a while, I don't know, I say a while, it could have been 30 more seconds. One of my friends jumps in the water and decides he's going to go, you know, get him and bring him back and say, you know, don't even attempt this. This is a terrible idea. So he swims <laughs> out there. And then I swim out there. And we get... We're 20 seconds in, and we're already tired, right? We don't know where we're going. We can't see anything. We can barely see Morgan anymore. So we turn around and head back to the shore. And when we get back, we're just yelling, um, Morgan, come back, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it probably goes for a, another minute or so we can see him. And then it, goes, it comes to a point where he's gone. We can't see him. We don't hear him splash anymore. He's not yelling back at us when we're saying his name. Um, we start freaking out. It's been a couple minutes. No word from him. And you um, can't hear him so at this decide, point. Like, it's like no. there's just silence. Silence. And we, I think uh, the, my other buddy turns his truck lights on, and we're trying to see if we can see him. And it, there's nothing. It's silence. So we freak out. So we call 911 because we have no idea what to do. Like, we, <laughs> we have no idea where he is. We call 911. So if you've ever called 911 or been around any kind of situation like that, I don't even know the amount of time it took for, from the time we called to the time they got there. Rick, how long do you think it probably took? Oh, a while. I mean, where are you again? We're down at the lake in Lake Travis. I mean, even if it's been, even if it's a five minutes, that's a long. Time. Oh yeah, I mean, you you well, you've got to call the dispatch, the nine one one, and they've got to get all the information they can. Then they've got to send an officer, and that officer has to drive there. So I mean, it's literally, unless he's like lucky and already right there, it's at least like ten minutes, probably at least. And, and 
and I would think that would, I would think even 15, 20 minutes de- from yeah. where we were would be super fast. So even if it's just 10 minutes, I mean, that's 10 minutes where we're just, we're yelling at Morgan. We have no idea where he is. We think he's dead. I'm sitting, after we call it up, <laughs> one, I'm sitting in like waist high water and I'm just, I'm, I'm crying. I'm bawling because my friend's dead. He's definitely dead. So, cops get there. Fire trucks get there. We tell him what's going on. One of the guys starts putting on his scuba gear. And, you know, we're trying to get him to hurry up. But, you know, that's a process. And they called. He's like, I just woke up. Give me a second. I mean, it's for sure been 30 plus minutes. Morgan's dead. We, we, we don't even know. We have no idea now. And the, end, and the end of the story is, uh, yeah, and he, and he was dead. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> and uh, cut to the funeral. And we're all crying and everything's very terrible. All right, Dean Morgan. We didn't know that there was a helicopter. They, they had called the helicopter. So a helicopter oh, wow. Came. Yeah. Yeah. And about the time the helicopter got there, it was hovering over the water and shining this huge light on the water. We, we hear somebody screaming and yelling. And for, this, for that 30, 45 minutes from the time we called to the time that the helicopter got there, there was nothing. We were still yelling. Um, no contact with Morgan. We hear somebody across, and then the light shines across the lake, and it's Morgan. <laughs> he, made, he made this swim. I don't know if he just wasn't responding because he didn't hear us, yeah. or he was just being heard and wanted us to freak out. Well, Morgan, Morgan is like, to his perspective, he's like, hey, guys, I'm going to swim across the lake. And then he's like, okay, here we go. And like, why, 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 I, I told you I was going to do yeah, this. Why, what, are the, what are the flashing lights? Like? Yeah, I think when he saw the helicopter, that was kind of his key to think, like, okay, uh-oh. maybe I should let them know I'm okay. <laughs> the helicopter. Uh, so, so instead of just hanging out on the other side of the lake, he starts trying to swim back, or he starts swimming back. I say try. He did swim back. And the guy in the suit finally, in the scuba gear, finally gets in. And they meet about halfway so the whole time, this light's flashing on this guy in the scuba gear and Morgan. And there's probably and, you know, a few I, I cars there. There's probably a lot of people on the shore at this point. Oh, there's at least, I mean, it was, this was eight years ago, but I would say four patrol cars and three or four fire trucks. Oh, my God. Wow. And a, and a helicopter. There's, there's people everywhere. And, you know, obviously we're at, at this point in time, we're – just thrilled that he's alive. You know, we're jumping up and down and these people probably think we're crazy, but so the, the flat, the light from the helicopter follows Morgan and this uh, guy, the scuba gear, the rest of the way. And as they start getting closer to the shore, they start walking out. Well, the part that we took out earlier, but what we, what we forgot completely had happened was that when Morgan told us he was going to swim across the lake, he said, I'm going to swim across the lake naked. <laughs> so you see where this is going. He, we forgot he was naked. We didn't, we didn't tell any of the firefighters or policemen that he was naked. <laughs> this guy in the scuba gear has his arm around Morgan. Morgan's perfectly fine. He's wondering why we called the police in the helicopter. They start walking out. You can just see him. 
it starts to go like the water comes, you know, from his neck down his stomach, and then he's just fully exposed <laughs> with the helicopter light on him. Fire! People are just they're cracking up now, and we're you know we run and give him a hug, and he's completely. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. Oh. It was a great. It's cold. It's it's it's, it's cold out there. I was, in, I was in the pool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. and the guy told us he said 99.9% of the time we get a call like this at this time of the night I mean they're dead the person is definitely Stop. drowned I'm sure they were not I've, they've never had somebody naked walk out of their lake before like that oh. <laughs> I'll say this uh, not super uncommon for the first responder usually it's the fireman ambulance but it can also be the policeman to deal with the call involving the naked person. Uh, it's, when it's happening, you kind of don't think about it. You're like, oh, this is a naked guy. Okay, we got to, uh, you know, we just snap to, we got to do our job. But as soon as, like, the imminent emergency is over, like if they're not dead, everyone's standing around going, oh, my goodness. That's uh, with that guy's wing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What, is what, what are these guys doing down here at the lake at 1 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, my gosh. Poor, poor Morgan. Oh, yeah, that, yeah it's like... The, yeah. We made jokes all weekend about, you know, like, if he would have died, if it, would we have just canceled all the guys coming in? <laughs> what are we going to... What are we just have had a good time without him and <sighs> called Paris in the weekend? <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a, a part two of Lake Idiots. Uh, yep. Thank you for there's joining something us. about the lake and uh, uh, something about the lake that makes us just brings out that uh, just the dumb caveman, not the smart caveman who figured out you hit two rocks together and you can create fire and then oh if I hit this animal over this fire it tastes delicious and no oh, I'm gonna make a weapon and defend myself. No. But no, the dumb caveman who's sitting in the cave like just pooping in a corner and going whoop this is all I got <laughs> pooping. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, it definitely brought something out for Morgan, if you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> I don't know what you're saying. What do you mean? Uh, just uh, that his his uh, st- stupidity, uh-huh. small, very small okay. amount, I- very small dangly stupidity. <clears throat> uh, sorry. Wrinkly from the water. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for doing this. This has been great. You're welcome, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ryan, and uh, thank you for being so, so handsome. Yes. So handsome. I married a sister sister so that he would be in my life forever. (laughs) I uh, follow him on Facebook, obviously, and I look at all of his, like, uh, gallivanting around the globe with no shirt on, and I'm like, (laughs) man... (laughs) If uh, I could get the genie the magic lamp, I'd rub that lamp and be like, Ryan Barker, I want to be in. <laughs> oh, if he listens to this. Um, okay, it is now time for the tip of the week, something you start doing to be a more healthy human. And this is, we're going to link to this in the show notes, but this is an article from Malay Mail Online. And uh, the headline is, World Alzheimer's Day, Boost Your Brain by Working Out. And so it says... Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia and the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S. Currently, 5.4 million Americans live with Alzheimer's disease, and this number is set to quadruple as many as 16 million by the year 
2050. So the World Alzheimer's Month is this month. September 21st was World Alzheimer's Day. And they've this article, they've rounded up some of the best exercises to slow cognitive decline and reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. It says, uh, whether you choose walking, dancing, or even gardening, so moving, right? Like this is, it says aerobic exercise, but it's not talking about like getting on the treadmill for 60 minutes. It's just talking about kind of moving around aerobically, which means that you're able to do it without having to stop, right? That's like anaerobic, you have to stop. Uh, Research carried out by a team from UCLA um, found that physical activity increased brain volume, especially in those age 75 and older, leading the team to suggest that it is never too late to get involved in physical activity. Yoga is the next thing. Yoga and meditation groups showed larger improvements in levels of depression, anxiety, coping skills, and resilience to stress in the study. Weightlifting was the next one. It says the team looked at the effect of weight training on the brain's white matter, which is particularly susceptible to lesions or holes as we age, causing problems with memory and thinking skills. The results of, of several studies show that those who did balancing and stretching exercises or weight trained just once a week showed a significant increase in the number of white matter lesions. But those who weight trained twice a week showed less shrinkage of their white matter, suggesting that if the minimum threshold of working out twice a week is achieved, lifting weights can have a positive impact on the structure of the brain. So there you go. Move like really? so. Like walk around. Do we, is this not mm-hmm. what we say? Walk a lot. Like yeah. med- meditation. Yoga is just like, just like a form of meditation and lift weights. That's like yeah, that's, that's that's the human simply human movement pyramid right there. Oh, oh uh, hey, tell me uh, what the study said about being on the elliptical for an hour. Ah, uh, let's see. Looking, looking. Ah, right. It's not in here. Oh, you know why? Because being on the elliptical for an hour sucks, yeah. <laughs> and it's not fun. I don't know anyone who's ever been like, God, I cannot wait to get on that elliptical. But like, I've been doing uh, since my schedule changed. I found like some some workout buddies at work. They go to like our police athletic league building every day for or a couple times a week for lunch, and instead of lunch, they do like just the like a CrossFit workout of the day. I've never really done CrossFit, but I've been and it's it just changes up. And some days it's fun, and some days it'll whip your tail. But like it's fun. It's it's fun yeah. movement. You, it's it's something different every time. It's not sitting on a treadmill and punching in three zero 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 start run 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 like it's. So much more fun than that. So that's what movement's supposed to be, is yeah. fun. Fun and uh, things that humans have been doing for the, the majority of our time on Earth, which is not uh, just like running for 60 minutes, unless you, are, you grew up in the mountains of Kenya. Like that's, that's like a fact. Those people, that culture grew up running, and they were designed to run. Other than that, don't do it. All right, uh, there's your tip of the week. Um, Follow the Simply Human Movement Pyramid is basically uh, what the tip of the week is. So, all right, um, we have Elise Carr coming up next week. And then after that, we're going we're gonna to have some uh, repeat guests. We're going to have like Luke Norsworthy, Kate Galliett. I like to reach back out to Ann Green. There's just so many more, so many people that we've had so many new people on lately. We want to kind of go back into the well a little bit and uh, have some people back on. I'd like to get Jason side back on. I know a lot of you guys have been listening to us on the Alt Shift podcast. We've been doing a lot of having a lot of fun doing that. Uh, but we need to we need to have some fun with Jason. He gets you know he he just ha- is always dealing with very serious questions on the Alt Shift. We need to have Jason on and do thirty minutes of like him talking about a hobby of his or something. I think just that would be great. Um, like is he is he into like woodworking? Uh, he has well, like he has that. some really cool hobbies that uh, that he just now has like sort of started letting the the Facebook world know about. Um, but he's it's really like interesting stuff. Like it's it's stuff that you would never 
guess in a million years. I'll tell you off air. And then if he wants to talk okay. about it, he can. Um, and so uh, go to the website, simplyinlash.com. At simplyin52 is all our social media stuff. Like us on Facebook. Uh, you know the drill. Uh, check out worldsokayestmom.org. Um, that is the nonprofit that my wife and I run, and we would love to have moms listen to the show. Become Wonderwoms, which is people that give $20 a month. You can go to the Donate Now page uh, at com on the resource tab if you want to throw some, some money our way. We do have uh, some monthly costs we incur every month. We would appreciate if you would help us get the train down the tracks. Thank you so much for listening. We know there's a lot of things you'd be doing with your time right now, and thank you for making us part of your day. That is going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember, that sounds pretty reasonable. Lady who used to wear a vial of Billy Bob Thornton's blood on a necklace. So until next time, enjoy yourself.